Today's show is made possible by your friends, Ron and Don, licensed realtors with Windermere Midtown. They are just people you want to hang out with. (laughs) They're fun. When you're ready to sit down and strategize about your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. You're listening to your old friends Ron and Don on the Ron and Ra- on the Ron and Don Radio Network, man. <laughs> All right, what's going on, you guys? It's episode number one twenty nine of the Ron and Don Show. We are live from the Les Schwab Studios on the shores of South Lake Union. Always social distancing. He's Ron Upshaw. I'm Don O'Neill. We are licensed brokers at Windermere. If it's time to sit down with us, hey, sit down, sit down. All you got to do is go to Ron and Don radio.com and find out more about us and more about our real estate venture. Hey, coming up a little bit later, uh, we hit a milestone that Ron talked about in episode 128, and he wrote something really cool about this milestone of going from terrestrial radio to podcasting, and we want to share that with you, and we also want to share with you uh, some of the new medicines that are being created right now as everybody is concerned and worried about this virus. also want to talk about kids going back to school. Are they going back to school? Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Let's talk about mindset a little bit, and I think there's a danger uh, when it comes to people's mental health, and this is something that happened to me yesterday, and this came from out of nowhere. From out of nowhere. And I'll just be vulnerable with you and share a story. Because uh, maybe this has happened to you too. And, and to be honest, when it happened to me, uh, I was scared. I felt very alone. I felt isolated. And I felt like I needed help. So um, I was working on a, a project yesterday, just a real estate project. And I was driving our dump truck, because we have a little dump truck where we go the dump back and forth. And a song came on the radio. And the song that I was listening to, it sounded like my late little sister, who Ron was uh, best friends with. And she was a great singer-songwriter. She's actually a professional singer. And I heard this voice, and boom, it created some kind of trigger in me. This trigger of emotion started to come out. And I began to cry. And I began to cry in an uncontrollable fashion. And I haven't cried like that probably since the first time I sat down and I started going therapy almost three years ago now. It's been almost three years I started going therapy. Just uncontrollable. And as I was crying, at the, as I kind of came toward the end, and for whatever reason, when I cry, I don't know about you, but I always feel better. Uh, and Keith Urban says this uh, in his Road of Recovery. He talks about how every once in a while, and sometimes even every day, uh, he says he has himself a good cry, which is really weird for men because we don't talk about our feelings. We don't talk about crying. And as I was beginning to think about this, it used to be these old triggers would trigger me uh, to go drink. And the thing is, I'm not addicted to alcohol as much as I am addicted to the numbing process, whatever numbs me. So I don't have to feel anything. And yesterday I was really missing my little sister. I was also missing my son. I haven't seen him for a month uh, because he's away seeing grandparents and he's kind of on an extended stay now because if you were to come back to Seattle, there's no kids camps. There's not a lot of kids to play with. All his friends are in other parts of the country. It's kind of a very bizarre summer. And I know you know what I'm talking about because we're all going through this together. And as I was feeling all this emotion, 
the old part of me in my brain, what I begin to do is think about, okay, when I put down this shovel and I get done with this real estate project, I'm going to find a place to go alone tonight and maybe sit in a bar somewhere or stop by a liquor store on the way home. And I'm just going to begin to drink myself to the point where I don't feel anything. Drink myself to the point where I just feel numb. How long has it been since you had that sort of urge? Because I, I get that urge, but it's for not for alcohol. But like, how long has it been bef- since that rose up? Like this? Yeah. Boy, it hasn't. It, it hasn't. It 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 happens, but like this, like this. Uh, it, it's been a number of years since it was like this. Like it came like this, because usually I can. I can see the warning signs and and then I'll I'll call my therapist or I'll talk to someone. Uh, I talked to my friend Josh, for instance, and I see the warning signs. It's like, okay, I'm heading down this road of I'm going to begin to numb. And so I need some help. And so I'll talk and I'll chat with someone. But in this case, this trigger, boom, I didn't. Yeah, it just came out of nowhere. Yeah. And I, and I was having a great week and I was, was, was in the middle in a lot of ways of having a great day. And it just came, it, it, it came from nowhere. Do you feel like you have different tools now? That's the thing. That, that, is, that is what I have that I never had before. I look back at my father. I look at my grandfather. I look in, in my family. Lots of addiction. And no tools. No mental tools. No understanding of mental health. And I, I bet that your grandpa and your dad didn't even know what the trigger to them was on a 22 rifle. Yeah. Like that to be triggered emotionally or like I, that's not even a concept. Yeah. And I, and, and, and I don't hold that against them. I imagine they were doing the best they could do with, with the information that they had. So I reached out to Priscilla, my therapist, and I just said, Hey, this is what's going on with me. And she said, do you need to talk on the phone right now? I said, no, I just need to let another human in the world know that I'm triggered right now. And then what I began to do, and I won't go through all the tools in the toolbox, but I began to go through my tools in the toolbox. And one thing that I know about this in recovery, when you feel this feeling, it's going to last for about 20 to 40 minutes. And if you can get through this 20 to 40 minutes, if you can get on the other side of that and you can find your center and you can find stability, then you can find freedom in 20 to 40 minutes. But you're going to, ha- you're, you're going to feel it. And it's all that pain and it's all that hurt and all that stuff that you used to numb that you begin to feel and you take it head on because as Ryan Holiday says in his book, the obstacle is the way and you turn your sail right into that headwind or you turn your bike or whatever sports analogy or any kind of analogy that you want to use. And it used to be that I would turn and run uh, and I would grab a drink and now I turn and I focus and I move toward it. It's so. funny that you give that time frame because mine's not alcohol, but maybe something was in the water this week because I found myself, I was like, you know what I deserve? I, I said I deserve. I deserve a Molly Moons this afternoon. It was a hot day. It was like in the high 70s. And from the time I had the urge, it took me about 20 minutes to drive to the Molly Moons. And I knew what I was going to get. I get the Molly's favorite. It's like my, the best Sunday ever invented. And when I got there, there was a line out the door. And so in about 20 minutes had gone by. And, I was, and, and I, I, as I turned my truck around, I was like, you know what? I think it's passed. 
Like there was a huge part of me that like had there been a parking space right there and no line, mm. I probably would have hopped out, got it, you know. And, and it's just one ice cream. It's not, you know, some people go, oh, it's not alcohol. But like for me, that w- I was triggered. I felt like I deserved a treat. I deserved to reward myself. Mm. And it took about 20 minutes. And I was able, after that 20 minutes, because of the line and because there wasn't a parking space right there, I said, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I can just drive back by, just driving by it and then driving away to me was a victory of like, I didn't stop and go in and have that ice cream sundae. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with ice cream sundaes. And I'll have an ice cream sundae again. But th- I was doing it. Th- it wasn't about the ice cream sundae on that day. It was about me feeling entitled to some treat because I'd been working hard. or I'd, Whatever the yeah. fill in the blank is, I deserved that. Yeah. Because it was going to give me something that I wasn't getting somewhere else in my life, and but I, I was glad that I didn't. I didn't stop and I didn't have it. See, and the interesting thing, like for you, alcohol is 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 not an issue for you like it is for me. Sugar for you is different because you're talking about sugar right now, and sugar for me is not an issue. Like like I can go have a Molly Moons right now, and I could take it or leave it, and it's not a big deal. But what alcohol does for me, and again, it's not the chemical itself. And I really feel for people, and it took me a long time to understand this, that really are addicted to the actual chemical their brain is. For me, it's whatever can numb me right now is, is I'm feeling this pain. Let me, share, you know, let me share one of the tools with you. Here's one of the tools. Just remember this. When, you've, when you feel triggered, whether it's sugar like Ron or alcohol like me, for some people... Gosh, we can go through a litany of stuff. We're all, all on the trajectory somewhere, right? Maybe you've had an eating disorder in the past. Uh, maybe you just have a short fuse and anger overtakes you. Uh, maybe there's an issue with pornography, whatever it is. Uh, think of this. Think of, think of these four letters, H, A, L, and T. H, A, L, T. When you feel triggered, just know this. In the next 20 to 40 minutes, I got to get through this. And the best way to get through it is to let someone know, which men are really bad at doing. Let someone know. And I would have never done that in the past because I would feel so stupid. So I, I got triggered by a country and Western song that sounded like my deceased sister who died five years ago. And evidently, I'm not over it. I'm not telling anyone that. I'm an American badass, right? right exactly. I'm Don of the Ron and Don show. I don't get triggered by these things. And yet, of course I do. Of course I do. So H-A-L-T. H, halt stands for hungry. Ask yourself, in this moment, am I hungry? The A, am I angry? The L, am I lonely? And the T, am I tired? And for me, in that halt... It was feeling lonely from missing my son, and it was feeling tired from just working so much. And so I had to look at those things and say, you know what? On Sunday, I'm going to take some time off. I'm not going to get up at 4.30 like I have all week. 
I actually got up at 8.36 today, which is a big deal for me. Yeah. Because I needed to sleep. My body was telling me, you need to sleep. You need to address that. You need to take care of yourself. And as far as being lonely, it's like, you know what? I need to get on the phone with my mom right now and just talk to my mom and have a conversation with her. And I don't even need to tell her because I don't want to take her down this road of feeling triggered. I just need to hear her voice. And with my son, instead of just talking to him on the phone, I FaceTime with him because I just needed to see his face because I was feeling isolated and alone. So I just want to say to everyone that we are living in some pretty crazy times. And I want to acknowledge that. And when you feel triggered, ask yourself, think about Halt. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? And if you are any of those things, instead of reaching for the thing that numbs you, then just use that tool, begin to address that, and let another human being let them know that i came here to ron's house today and he sat down he asked me some questions he said hey how you doing and normally i wouldn't tell him and i said you know what i'm gonna tell him today i'm gonna tell him how i'm doing i'm gonna tell him that i had a weak moment yesterday um but i woke up today and i didn't have a hangover i didn't hate myself because i didn't drink yesterday i didn't numb i didn't run i turned into it i embraced it to see what it had to teach me. Good job, man. I'm proud of you. Thank you. It's episode 129. It's the Ron and Don Show. We aren't halting right now. We're coming back in two minutes, live from the Les Schwab Studios, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, you guys, we just want to thank Les Schwab for being a great sponsor of the Ron and Don Show and summer driving. It is here, and more people are driving right now than are flying, especially across the great state of Washington. It's why you should stop by a Les Schwab Tire Center before you hit the road. Well, and the one thing is, how do you know when you need new tires? The pros at Les Schwab, they say the signs include uneven tire wear. Get out and look at the tires. A decline in handling, poor gas mileage, vibration. Your tires lose air faster than they should, or you have reduced braking responsiveness. If that sounds like you, go in, get some new tires. Right now, you can save $110 on a set of four select tires, a limited time offer while supplies last. The amount you save will depend on the size and type of tire you buy. Yeah. Don't forget, you can also get a pre-trip safety check, and they're going to let you know if you need new tires. So... All you have to do is stop by Les Schwab Tire Center. It's a $60 value. They're going to check everything. Your alignment, your front-end components, your shocks, your struts, your battery, your brakes, all that stuff, guys, before you hit the road. Just go to LesSchwab.com. That's LesSchwab.com. Les Schwab, doing the right thing. You know it matters. We had multiple offers. We had one fella that offered $50,000 more than the asking price. So I jumped on that one. When it comes to your real estate journey, it truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. That's what Peter did. I moved over to Kitsap County across from Seattle about three years ago, and it was becoming more difficult to manage the triplex. So I thought maybe I should check with them about whether it would be a good time to sell. When we first sat down, they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood. They had uh, several suggestions on you know, when we should go on the market, what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market. And because I lived over in Kitsap County, it was going to be difficult for some of the general contractor type things. So I said, well, if you guys will do that, you know, then I'm, I'm, I'm ready to put it on the market. So they took over when 
the landscape person didn't do a very good job in their opinion they came over and redid it <laughs> and they didn't charge me anything for that so I, I was very thankful for that we went on the market we had multiple offers we had one fella that offered fifty thousand dollars more than the asking price and in addition he had no contingencies so i jumped on that one the important thing to me was my son is in college and he was getting ready to go to the UW and I've been renting him one of my apartments so I needed to find a, a replacement for him. Ron uh, basically did a check for the areas that I said I was interested in buying and he gave us a whole list of uh, properties that were available. He came with us Sunday morning and we looked at probably five different places, made an offer on one, but didn't get that one, made an offer on a second one and did get that one. And uh, it was just, it was a very smooth process. Oh, they're great. I mean, they're very easy to get along with. They don't try to force you to do anything you don't want to do. Um, they make suggestions, but they realize that they're just making a suggestion and don't have to accept it pretty much went with what they suggested because all their uh, suggestions made perfectly good sense. I would very much work with them again if I ever had a property over on that side of the sound. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Thanks for listening to The Ron and Don Show. Please hit subscribe. All right, you guys, episode 129 of The Ron and Don Show. Hey, we're going to hit some headlines here real quick. And, Ron, I want to start with you. Disney World is opening in Florida. And, oh, by the way... Not opening, opened. It's open. And, oh, by the way, in the great state of Florida, where people felt like, ah, they opened too early, they just broke a record. In fact, they smashed New York City records... For a day, what is it? A 24-hour cycle? 10,360 new infections in, 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 reported in Florida. Yeah, in one day. Right. That, which shattered the New York City record. Uh, yesterday in New York City, just to give you an idea, there were 972 new cases. So New York has done a very good job of tamping down COVID-19. Florida, on the other on the other hand, is exploding. And this has to be something that the president is concerned about, not because of people's health, because it seems like he's not concerned about that, because Florida is that swing state. And if you can win in Florida, if you can win in Arizona, if you can win in the Midwest, then you can win the Electoral College and you don't need the popular vote, right? I, I think it's sort of tangential to what we talked about in the first segment. I think there's this mentality. People are just tired of it and we are not built for this kind of marathon. Uh, I think back historically to different times and, you know, you and I both, you're, you're more of me, but like you think of World War II and like when, when we went to the Winston Churchill Museum and you think about the sustained fortitude that it took in England where you were just getting bombed and bombed and bombed and you're like you're going up to your house and then the air sirens go off you go down to the bomb shelter day after day after week after month and it just it was an extended period of time and yet the British pubs would when the windows were blown out would put a placard in front that said more open than ever <laughs> you know and they just had like, that's a real sign that was out in front of an english pub yeah. and, you know they just had that that english sort of dry sense of humor that like 
come on in and we're going to be here for you. In in the United States now, we're going into maybe month four, depending on where you are. And people are just done with it. I think people are done. People are going through Disney World in Florida. Uh, The NBA picked Florida to be its spot to finish out their uh, to finish out their playoffs and to try to have an NBA championship. And it uh, people have just and I got to admit I've laxed a little bit. Like I've gone to a couple restaurants lately. And like, there's one restaurant that has a beautiful deck. In fact, the place where we, we had your 50th birthday party. I was like, I just want to, I just want to sit at a table next to one of those fire pit things and have a meal in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to do it. And so I wore, you know, you had to wear a mask to get up there. But once you're seated at the table, the servers would have a, a mask on. But I, you know, you're eating, you take your mask off. Um, and I don't feel bad about it. I feel like I, I re, 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 was responsible, but I'm, I'm sort of over always cooking three meals a day every single day in my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, of like always having to just like, okay, I got it. Like when when we finish recording this, I'm going to have to cook dinner for myself. So it's it, it was just this fatigue, and I'm part of the problem. I, I don't necessarily think that Disney World is ready to be open. Uh, I'm sorry to these people that want to go out and go to the Magic Kingdom, but I, I don't think this is Magic Kingdom time. Now, how come other parts of the world have had success? And I know you've read a lot about what they've done uh, in other places. And how come we have so miserably, miserably failed here in the United States as we lead the world? And when it's all said and done, probably with a third of infections and deaths, I bet. Uh, I, I think historically it's, it's American exceptionalism. Is it? And, you know, we always hear that there was a back what is, what is, Let me ask you this. What is America exceptionalism? I'll give you the great example. The, the best thing, there's a, a per, I'm not going to call him out specifically because I, 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 I think he's a fine human being. There was a radio host uh, in the building where we used to work where every day he would say, the greatest country on God's green earth. And I used to, whenever, if I was going to get a cup of coffee, when that catchphrase would come on, I'd be like, on what metric? Because if you look at education, we're not the greatest on the earth. If you look at healthcare, we're not the greatest on the earth. If you look, maybe the military, we might have the greatest military on God's green earth, but happiness, we're not in the top 10. Life expectancy, we're not in the top 10. Uh, happiness index, we're not in the top 10. Uh, you can just go on and on down. So it's like, but, but. Have, there's people all across the country that would fist pump to that. Darn right. Greatest country on God's earth. We're the greatest, greatest country. And so I think we just have this mentality of you can't tell me what to do. I'm, I'm free. Mm. You know, uh, I'm going to put up my flag. I'm going to drive my truck. I'm free. It's open highways. Like our whole culture, our whole society is built on the individual. And you can be whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You're free. Go get them. Wild West, like that whole thing. And other societies are not built that way. Like if you go to Japan, it's not built on me. It's like, what, how, do, how do I become part of the group? How do I operate within the society? How do I show respect to my elders? Like that's not a an ethic. It's, it was very interesting. And I'll just spend a minute on Japan because I was very fascinated by it. Like little things, for instance, when you go on the subway, um, if there is someone and you're sing, sitting down and there's no more seats open, and if someone older than you gets in, everybody gets up and offers their seat to mm. the older person. That's beautiful. 
It's just what you do. I love that. And in America, you're like, oh, I got my seat. I'm going to manspread. And nobody's, <laughs> nobody's sitting down here. The other thing is if I'm standing, uh, you, I would never have my rear end facing your face. Hmm. And if I'm standing, you would just... Like you, on a bus or a train. Yeah, on a or, subway or yeah. whatever. So if you're seated and I'm standing, I'm going to... Just conscientiously turn, so and my crotch is not in your face either. I'm going to turn, and I'm going to be self-aware that just as a society, it's not about me and where I'm standing and whether I'm comfortable. It's like, how do I position myself in this place to have some respect? Mm-hmm. And, and that just goes through everything throughout the day, where you're just, you go to a 7-Eleven, and they say, thank you. Okay, for coming to 7-Eleven, you're like, this is weird. Like, this guy's super friendly at 7-Eleven. But every time you enter a place, you say, Arigato gozaimasu. You know, you greet someone, mm. and you show them respect. And you make sure that you would, you know, wear a mask and all these things. So America's just not geared that way. And I think that it's showing itself in how infectious we are. Because, you know, back to Florida, if I want to go to the beach, I'll go to the beach. My parents live on the west coast of Florida. And at one point, the state was split. The, in Miami and up the east coast of Florida, those beaches were closed. And on the west coast, the beaches were open. I don't know how this it was county by county or how it worked. And my dad called me. He goes, you're, you're going to not believe this, but you're going to believe it. Everybody from Miami drove the hour and 15 minutes to get to our beach. Mm. And it's packed. So packed that then they had to shut down all the beaches on the west coast of Miami, of, of Florida. And so that's just because they believe, oh, we're not open on our side. We're going to go to your side. And that's just an American thing. So that culturally that's happened. Politically, we've been a disaster. We're not a political show, so I'm not going to go into it. But it just is. Like the leadership has been horrible uh, from the White House down. It just has been. Yeah. And, and so and that's just unfortunate. Kids going back to school. This is a tough one right here. We're in a political season. You have politicians that want to pretend like this is not happening on their watch. It is happening. Uh, we had some of the same politicians say that we'll have a vaccine and all the kids will be going back to school. You have states like Florida and Arizona where the virus is spreading quickly. And by the way, this virus is now mutated and they say it's 10 times more uh, infectious. And one of the ways you get this, we know, is through aerosol droplets. So what's it like when a kiddo goes to school? Because, by the way, 40%, they think now, of people that have COVID-19 show no symptoms. 40%. A lot of that being kids. So you have teachers now that are terrified. Like, in my son's school, I think of all his great teachers. Some of them are in their 60s and 70s, right? And you have to believe that there's teachers and principals that have health issues. I think of my mom. Uh, she had to survive breast cancer. So we're being very, very careful about what mom is exposed to uh, at the age of 77. So now what happens, let's say that my mom was a little bit younger and she's a school teacher and then kids are going to school like my son's age at the age of 10. I don't think people are so concerned about their student, I think what they're really concerned about is that student then taking uh, COVID-19 home to their parents, home to grandma and grandpa. Ask yourself this. How did all these older people die in what people call old folks' homes or brain memory centers? Uh, the way that they died is because 
their kids came to see them. They came to visit them and they transferred this infectious disease. And so as a result of that, we see all these heartbreaking stories now of, you know, Wes Jones, for instance, one of our good real estate friends, having to talk to his grandmother through an open window. Uh, We've heard horrendous stories about older people dying and their loved ones can't be around them. Currently, my, my aunt is in hospice, my mom's sister. And my mom cannot get on a plane and go see her sister for the final time before mm. my Auntie Al dies. And so my mom is having to figure out a way to say goodbye to her sister uh, 2,000 miles away, and she can't be there to comfort her. Well, and then take this example that, uh, you know, there is an injection right now that they believe could be uh, prevent COVID-19 from happening. It's not a vaccine. It's from the, the they spin out the plasma of people that have survived now the antibodies. Yeah. It's a technology that's been around since the 40s. Um, but the government doesn't want to fund it. And the drug makers are kind of like, eh, it's not that, eh, it's not that profitable. It's not that profitable. So they're just indifferent to it. So like, here's the thing where if you had 500 people that have, already been through and survived covid that gave a blood sample they can make six thousand therapies intramuscular injections from those 500 people we have no shortage of people in america that have survived this Mm -hmm. uh because we lead the world as you just said but like so here's a thing that's not it's not the magic bullet though it's not the uh, the breakthrough made for tv moment where you're like we have a vaccine it's, it's a thing where it's like, okay, we're going to make 6,000 at a time. We're going to have to prioritize who gets them. So you'd probably have healthcare workers, hospital workers, etc. Uh, would be the first wave. And so these seven drug manufacturers that know how to do this are like, meh, meh, meh. And they can scale it and they can do that now and they say it'd be really easy to do. The reason why you would want to do this is let's say that my son goes to school. And then he comes home, and then we find out uh, that he was exposed to someone at school. Let's say one of his other friends had it. And now, I, because I've been thinking about trying to get my mom to move here. So G goes to school. He comes home. 77-year-old grandma, myself, Charlie, we're at home. We're waiting for him. And then we get word that someone at school and his classmates, something's happened. Well, now what you would be able to do is not only uh, test but then you'd be able to give other family members this injection, those other school kids that have been around him, his family members at home that have been around. You'll be able to give this injection, and then they have protection for at least somewhere between two and three months is the thought on this. So I will tell you this. One of the difficulties about not sending kids back to school, when kids go back to school, it's just not school. That's also a way a lot of working-class parents Working class parents, they pay their taxes, their kids go to school, and in a sense, it's childcare for them, especially if their kids are younger. Also, it might be the only meal they get all day, like a solid uh, yeah. meal. So, there, so this is really hard because you don't want to expo- expose older teachers to this. And at the same time, the, there's no way the economy can really storm forward. If you don't have a lot of working class people go back to work. And I I was talking to a parent that has a a, a dyslexic child, a special needs education kid. And it's like, it's impossible. Yeah. Like how, like she's not trained. She doesn't have a master's degree in education. Like she knows her kid that in like, but she's not a dyslexia expert. So like you, you you know, you pay extra. I don't know how it works, but like, there's a lot of 
families that are dealing with that as well. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if you look around the world, here we are in the U.S. and we are still debating about whether or not to wear a mask. 208,000 people will be dead by October 1st. But if we all decided everyone in America started to wear a mask today, everybody, or at least 90%, uh, we would save 44,000 people. But that's not going to happen because people are still arguing whether we should wear a mask or not. Other parts of the world that decided a long time ago, yeah, we should wear masks and look out for each other, uh, they don't have the issue. They don't have the, and we're not even out of this first wave yet and into a second wave. Uh, they haven't fired because no one's saying this, but Donald Trump has not talked to Dr. Fauci in two months. So Dr. Fauci basically was fired by this administration. We have pulled out of the who we're no longer listening to the CDC and we're going to force kids to go back to school. And I'm just going to tell parents out there, really think this through, because if I move my mom here, if my mom comes here, decides to come here, then we are not going to send my son to school to come home with that and then share that with my mother. Uh, we will figure out a way to homeschool him and at the same time, go get on bikes, socially distance from other kids and still be a kiddo and we will get through this. So we will get through this. We will get through this. So, hey, coming back, uh, Ron and I together on this podcast as broadcasters, we hit a milestone thanks to you. I want to share that milestone with you and Ron has some thoughts on it. It's episode 129 of the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. We heard your plea. Now you have three. Three episodes of the Ron and Don Show drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. All right, you guys, uh, welcome back. Episode 129, the final segment, live from the Les Schwab Studios. And don't forget, we're licensed brokers at Windermere. Sit we're, down! When you're ready to sit down! It seems like I'm trying to say that and not sound like I'm yelling at people. I know. Sit down? <laughs> sit down. <laughs> sit down with Ron and Don. Yeah, when you're ready to sit down, uh, reach out to Ron. Ron at Windermere.com. Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. Everything is up right now at Ron and Don.com. Uh, anyway, you have some final thoughts, kind of a, a cool milestone that, that we're pretty pumped about. We wanted to thank you guys this week. Yeah, for over two decades, it was drilled into our heads as broadcasters that we would be nothing without the tower and the big company. If you wanted to be in radio, this was the only path. This faux scarcity model is what forced Don and I to move all over the country. When there are only three or four stations per market that we could realistically be on, and really only two, bar, two, two day parts on those stations, that meant there were literally a possible six jobs in any city that Don and I could go after. One problem, someone already had those six jobs. So we would have to scour the country, fly all over the place for meetings, produce mountains of demo materials when one of those slots opened up in a decent sized market then we compete with every other radio personality all going after the same gig when our last terrestrial radio job ended don and i both said i'm not moving again the pacific northwest is our home this is where our people are all that to say when i opened up my phone this week and i saw that we just reached five hundred thousand plays for the ron and don show podcast it felt really good turns out the world has changed we can stay in the place we feel the most at home and connect directly with our people. We lovingly have called you the Ron and Don Nation over the years because you're more than just listeners to us. So thank you for choosing us. 
Thank you for trusting us. It blows me away to think about 500,000. To put that another way, that's over three and a half years of actual listening time. We appreciate your time, and we don't take it for granted. That's nice, you guys. Thanks for that. Hey, these are extraordinary times. Be kind to yourself. Don't be afraid. Don't be prideful. Don't be a dude like I was for so many years. And when you are in a pain cave and you want to get out, um, the only way out is to reach out to others. If you don't have tools, there are lots of tools out there for you. And the only way out of that cave is to take it head on. You sit there and numb and numb and numb and numb, and then you end up staying in a pain cave. Thank you for 500,000 spins. Three and a half years. That's extraordinary. And I can say every one of our clients that we're working with right now are all part of the Ron and Don Nation. And boy, are you guys extraordinary. You are just extraordinary. We love you. We care about you. If you get in a pain cave this week, halt. Are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? Address that. And move forward, right? You keep your head up. You keep your shoulders back. And you keep listening to The Ron and Don Show. Episode 130 is right around the corner. Only on The Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey. Thanks for listening to the Ron and Dawn Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not doing <laughs>